I'm Melissa White, and this is The Spirit Room. This is a place for seekers that find themselves intrigued with working with the unseen world. I'll bring you insight into my life and work as a medium, interviews with people that I find fascinating, and also provide you with some tools to help you implement a beautiful life in partnership with spirit. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy what spirit has in store for us. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Spirit Room. I'm Melissa White. I'm your host. It's lovely to be here with you. I hope everyone is well. We're recording this in the month of November already. We're in the midst of this most favorite time of year for me. I love it. Although I will say that since the new moon on November the 4th, energetically, it's been a little bit of a struggle. I don't know if anyone else can relate, but for me, I have been finding, wow, there's been some resistance. There's been a sense of some fatigue and also just a need to really nurture myself. So physically have some rest, mentally and emotionally, just giving myself a little bit more grace. And I think sometimes that's just what's needed. That's just what's necessary. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening, I hope that you do the same for yourself when you come into that situation. I noticed I don't pay a ton of attention to the analytics that I'm sent about numbers to do with this podcast, but I did notice that there are quite a few listeners from Tunisia. So I just find that so incredible. So if you're listening and you're in Tunisia, I just wanted to say hello and thanks so much for listening. It seems to me there's an interest there. So I'm not sure exactly how I reached you, but I'm so glad that I did. And it's kind of the magic of the podcast that you never know who you're reaching. And maybe we also aren't aware of even people listening to this in the future. I'm recording this November 2021, but who knows, you might be listening to this down the road years from now. And so whenever you hear this, I hope that it finds you at the right time, in the right moment, and that it brings you something. I think that's the goal. That's the idea. I'm not here to be making a living from a podcast. I'm not here to be getting some type of, I don't know, like certain amount of downloads or a certain amount of followers. I'm not into any of that. And it's just not been my focus. It's it's never been my focus with anything that I create or put out there. But it sure is wonderful to know that the things that we discuss here, the things that we cover are meaningful and that they reach someone. So that's my take on things. Today is an episode where it's an answering of your listener questions. I certainly appreciate you guys sending in your questions that you'd like to know more about, more insight into. And it's kind of cool because I think that Everyone benefits when we do ask these questions, and sometimes you think you're the only one that has a particular question, but you'd be surprised. Lots of times there's other people that are wanting to know the exact same thing. So let's get into it. Let's get started. Let me see where I'm going to start. I know Maya sent a question about guides, so let me just see here. In my notes, she was asking if... 
our guides are only for us or if they can be guides for other people. And so what I would say is that it's possible because of the fact that spirit can be with more than one person at a time, that it's entirely possible that they could be working with us and working with other people. I don't know if it's always the case. From my perspective, I think it's a pretty sacred contract between our soul and their soul that they're going to work with us, be there for us, guide us in this life. But I wouldn't say that it's it has to mean that it's exclusively for us. There could be others. I, I think that's a total possibility. When I ask my guides about this, like just as I'm doing that right now, they're just showing me that there's no limitation. There's no limitation when it comes to time and space and the energy that they're working with in the spirit world. So to answer that question, I would say it's totally possible that they could be working with other people. And I've noticed too, in different groups that I teach, or even like in friendships, relationships, there's times when I've actually felt that sometimes share a guide with someone else. So for instance, one of my first groups that I ever was teaching, I became aware of a guide within that group. And it it came to me that it was specifically for that group. This guide was there working with all of us for a particular reason and particular energy that was required. So that's, that's also possible. I would say too, that sometimes people ask like, do your guides stay with you your whole life? Or what's, what's the deal with that? And I think that there are some that do. There are some that are with us from the beginning from birth until are passing back to the spirit world. But there are others, I think, that come in and out depending upon what we need at that time, what lessons we're working on, and things like that. So you might sometimes experience a shift in those that are working with you, those that are guiding you. But I think there's no, there is a bit of sadness sometimes with that. I think sometimes we grieve a bit for, oh, like that guide isn't, isn't as readily, you know, available or isn't as maybe working as closely as they once did with you. But in my opinion, they're always just a thought away. I wouldn't say they're ever not available. I hope that makes sense. Hope that's helpful for you, Maya. The second question is from Jody, And she says, have you ever visited a place with vortices like Sedona? Do you have any experience with them? So, have I been to Sedona? No. It is a place that I am interested in visiting. I would say that the idea of a vortex makes sense to me. So, if we look up the definition of a vortex of energy, it's a special location on Earth where energy is concentrated at a specific point. Several sacred sites on the Earth that are believed to be energy vortices, for example, the Egyptian pyramids, Machu Picchu, Stonehenge, Sedona Desert, and Uluru in Australia. So that's just a quick Google search on that definition. I think with Sedona and any place, all sacred connection and energy that we can feel from land anywhere. So everywhere we go is sacred. Everywhere we go is holy. But yes, of course, there's certain places that we um, tend to notice that there's like a been a buildup of energy. Now, I think that it's pretty individual. So Jody, you could visit Sedona and have this like incredible phenomenal experience. 
I might visit and maybe have a eh, like so-so experience or not even notice anything at all. It's possible because I think that we're all so uniquely made and we all have um, such different experiences energetically, different sensitivities and all of that stuff. So I would say for me, there's places that I have noticed, oh yes, there's something built up here. There's some kind of energy that's really, really strong. The few places in the world that I felt that. I felt it in Palm Springs when I was there in the desert, Joshua Tree around there, that area certainly did feel very, very strong for me. And it was kind of like this otherworldly feeling, almost like being in another time. And it's, it was incredible. So I've been there twice and I had similar feelings both times. So quite incredible for me. Other people, maybe not so much. I think that the other place that really stands out to me is Ireland. And not so much like you would think it would be in these places out in the country or kind of like by the water or all of that. I actually noticed it Well, I did notice it everywhere, but I was surprised because um, the few days that I stayed in Dublin, usually in a city, I don't feel comfortable. I don't really feel um, like I can relax. I don't really feel at ease or at home. And when I stayed in Dublin, I felt very much at home. I felt at ease. The people were amazing. The energy was just incredible. And part of that could be past life experiences and all of this uh, past life incarnations where I've spent there, perhaps. But And so there becomes like a familiarity on a soul level. But really, I did sense, ooh, like I really, really felt the, the energy, like an energy vortex there. I would say I've, you know, not experienced that anywhere else. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. I felt something like that also in Hawaii when I was younger. It's been years and years and years since I visited, but I did feel that. And it's interesting because in England, uh, I've been many times because when I used to be a flight attendant in my early 20s, I went and did Calgary to London. I did that trip a ton of times. And I always felt a familiarity when I went to England. Like It felt familiar to my soul. But it wasn't the same type of energy that I was experiencing or that I can say that I've experienced in these other places. So I think sometimes it really just depends on our own soul's DNA and the way that our energy works. I wouldn't say at all that I'm any kind of expert in vortices or anything like that. But yeah, do certain places have a magic quality? For sure. Do certain places have spiritual it's almost like a spiritual buildup of energy if you think about it if you've if there's a place in the world that's been preyed upon and there's been ceremony there's been sacred words spoken devotion all those things magical practices that kind of thing it will inevitably really leave uh, an imprint definitely but also i think there's we could get into looking at ley lines and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's mind boggling when you really think about it. So it would be an interesting topic to delve into to research. And maybe that's something I will research and look into. But if it's something you're interested in, Jody, I would say, yeah, definitely delve into it, read about it and see what you can find out. With all of these questions, my first go to is actually just to go to the spirit world and, and ask them. 
What do, what do you think about this? What can I know about this? What can you tell me about this topic? And it's pretty incredible what they will offer. So I do I do suggest that. I did get someone gave me a crystal from Sedona and I can't say that I felt it was any more unique or powerful than than any other stone that I'd have but I certainly was grateful and thought oh this is cool that it does come from Sedona so I don't know I think we have to always be just open to experimentation and just see so I hope that is helpful for you and just going in here to the next question and I believe this one was from Rochelle and she was asking about scary movies. (laughs) So let me just see if I can pull up this specific question that she had. All right. I know we are protected by our guides and light, but I still get really spooked out with scary movies. Do I have merit to be scared? Am I attracting a lower vibration by watching them? Or am I just a chicken? (laughs) So this is a good question. I, okay, so it's kind of like a, a complicated answer because I don't think that just watching scary movies is a problem, but I think that if you are affected by it and if there's something energetically, like an energetic response to it, then, and if it's invoking fear, that isn't really a vibration that you want to be inviting, you know, this vibration of fear. So it does make a difference, I think, too, because I did have a client years ago who was really struggling with some fear. He was really, really freaked out. He had things happening in his life that he felt were very paranormal and on all this stuff. Whereas when I looked at it and I looked at the energy, it was just, I found he was focusing on very negative and very fearful kind of things. Like he, I, it came to me that he was listening to some pretty intense negative music. And I don't even know what you would call this, like death metal or I don't even know, but it was like very dark. And I said, you're sensitive to energy. You're sensitive to all of this stuff. So for you to be listening to that, inviting that energy into your life, I think that you're cre- it's creating almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like you're, you're creating your own negative. It's like a negative spiral. And so he did stop and he did feel a ton better. And also these occurrences and things that he was freaking out about were not happening and he wasn't fearful. So I think sometimes it just depends on our sensitivity individually because everyone is different. I know the question that you're kind of asking too is that, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're trying to say, if you're watching something that's like paranormal-ish and it's freaky, are you inviting something negative into your energy field? Is it something to be afraid of? No, you're not inviting any of that because in my opinion and my experience, that does not exist. However, that energy, the fearful, the kind of like, it's almost like I find those movies that they sometimes sensationalize, trivialize, and make spirit communication something that it's, and I think that that kind of energy, using it as almost like entertainment or using it as like some type of adrenaline thrill-seeking kind of thing, maybe that energy isn't right for you and that you could almost be inviting in experiences. They're not in alignment with who you are and how you feel about spirit. So I would just say there's a reason if it 
if it's scaring you or if it's like giving you heebie-jeebies, then you just have to decide like, is that really what you want? You know, so I don't, maybe you're a chicken, but I don't really think so. I just think it's your own inner knowing being like, "Mm, something funky about this. I'm not into it. You know, so I, I would just say if you feel that way, there's a reason for it. I specifically don't enjoy those types of movies. I love suspense. I love mystery. I love thrillers, but I'm not, I find I don't have tolerance for, and I I don't enjoy movies like The Exorcist or any of that kind of thing. It just doesn't appeal to me, to each their own. If you do and you love it, then that's, that's, go for it. Just but I, I just think that if, if it's giving you that kind of reaction and you don't like it and you feel conflicted, then I would just say, nah, it's not for you. So I hope that helps, Rochelle. Hope that makes sense. Let's see what else we have here. All right. So Minty's asking, my question would be why sometimes info comes easily and everything is yes, and why other times barely anything will come or it doesn't make sense. I guess there are multiple answers to this. Lately... In the past two classes for me, I've been really stuck, sometimes doubting my abilities altogether. But when I practice, she practices with her husband or alone, it goes well. And she also asks, how do you handle it when you unexpectedly have spirit come through for someone? She's saying, I don't want to go Long Island medium style, but I also feel like I want to honor the spirit or their message. Thank you. All right. So first question, why sometimes info comes easily and everything is a yes, and other times barely anything will come or it doesn't make sense. That is the nature of this work it is not always like this amazing like everything is yes I think we want that we we would love it for it to be that but there's so many factors so there could be a few things going on I think it does go in waves it is cyclical there's times when energetically We are totally in sync. We are taking good care of ourselves. We're well rested. Things are good. We just had an awesome connection with someone. And then we go into the next one and it's even more brilliant. And you're just like riding that momentum. You're just loving it. And then there's other times where you can also be riding a bit of a struggle momentum where it isn't as easy and it is sort of like a little more hard work. And it feels like every little piece of information, you have to like really almost like squeeze it out. (laughs) It's just like strenuous. And it it could be that the nature of this type of work just really does kind of go in waves. That's, That's part of it. That seems to be part of it. I think also depends who you're reading for. I think that has a great effect on how you feel during a reading. Also, if you're practicing on your own or you're practicing with your husband, your partner, there's not as much of a risk involved. So your nerves don't really play such a big part. You are able to stay out of your ego. Because like there's some people that I work with, like say if I was practicing with, I don't know, a certain friend, I wouldn't worry. I don't care. Like if if I get something wrong or if I completely miss something or mess it up, I know she's not going to think less of me because she knows she knows me, she knows my capability, she knows she knows that you know it's okay. Like it, there's no there's nothing to prove. And so I think when we can be free like that, of course it's easier. 
of course we have better success. We get in our own way. Our mind gets involved way too much when it comes to trying to work with the recipient. We get too involved and too obsessed with what they're thinking. Does it make sense to them? Do they like it? Do they like us? Are they happy? Is this helping them? Like, All of these things are important, but like when it becomes the focus or when you get too involved in that, it starts, everything else really starts to deteriorate. It's hard for you to stay in your power if you're in your head the whole time. There's no way you can hear your own soul or you can hear spirit if you're listening to the voices in your head that are critical, analytical, and in the logical mind that you just can't do both well. So I think that's part of it. So sometimes it's nerves. Sometimes it's just the nature of the beast. Sometimes it has to do with what is it that it's proven. It's a study that like when something is observed, it changes. Like, so for me, sometimes when I think about trying a new idea, a new concept, a new way of working, I would love if I could just do it on my own before I have to show it to anyone because then I could perfect it or I could try to like skip that part where it's uncomfortable and vulnerable and where I could be wrong. The problem is with this type of work, you need someone to work with pretty much. Like you kind of have to, the partner and the practice is kind of the thing. That's kind of how, how we have to do it. So there's only so much you can do on your own. But when you do it on your own, yeah, of course, there's more There's more of a freedom. Um, but then also, I think what happens over time is that you do get used to just putting your pride aside and just saying, okay, I'm going to give it a try. I'm just going to give this a go. If it, if it works, phenomenal. If it doesn't, that's okay. So you build up a resilience, you build up a thicker skin, you recognize that endeavoring is really what's important. And there's a lot of value in messing up. There's a lot of value in getting things wrong, because it literally does teach you more so than if you were to do a reading and the person's like, yes, 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 the whole time. Wonderful. I mean, that's great. But If that's the case, if you get no no's, it means you're not taking any risk. It means you're not pushing yourself. It means that you're not expanding. So I would much prefer for you to keep trying, getting the no's, feeling through the uncomfortable feeling of feeling like you're not getting too much information. You are. It's just that sometimes we hold our breath and we just are not really available. We're not as receptive to the information as we are other time. So it's a work in progress. It's a delicate balance. It's why people study mediumship for their whole lifetime. It is not something that we ever perfect. It is not something that is ever consistently 100% accurate perfection. That That's not the nature of it. It's always evolving. It's always growing, hopefully, and changing. So We are working with energy. We're working with spirit. We're working with the unseen world. And it's miraculous, but it's also maddening for us as physical human beings. It's very hard for us sometimes to grasp that the things that we're dealing with are not necessarily as tangible as we would like them to be. So if you want to get over perfectionism, work on your development. If you want to get over your ego, 
do your development. If you want to learn how to love yourself more, you got to put yourself in these positions where you, you kind of have to. So it's like getting used to being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's kind of, that's kind of the development journey. <laughs> and it's for, it's not for the faint of heart. I think sometimes people think that it's, it's easy and it's not, it's not always easy. There are times when it's, it's, it feels like there's these magical times when you cannot put a foot wrong. Like no matter what you say, you know, it's going to be right. You've just got a clear communicator. The spirit is like, has a major need to come through. The recipient has a need to hear from that spirit. And something happens where something is unleashed. And it's just like, it's pure magic. There's also the times when it's just like, oh God, like, am I still medium? Am I psychic? This is the truth. And so I think a lot of times teachers, professionals, we don't always talk about that, or I don't know a lot of people who do, but if we're looking at it very honestly, of course there's times where we struggle. We're all still human. So I think it's okay. It's just, it doesn't mean that it's not for you or it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It's just a sign that perhaps something's shifting within you, something's shifting in the way that you work. And can you go deeper? Can you spend a little more time going within? Can you find yourself coming back into your power a little bit more? Can you strengthen the relationship and the communication that you have between your guide, your loved ones, and spirit? It could be a sign that you need to focus on your own healing a little bit, like maybe or maybe tend to your physical health at that time. There's all kinds of reasons, but that would be that would be my answer for that first part. And then the second part of your question, how do I handle it when unexpectedly have spirit coming through for someone? Uh, well, I think because of the amount of communication that I do with spirit for people, on the daily. When I'm not trying to and I'm not intending to, I don't really have spirit just showing up to communicate with someone randomly. It just doesn't happen. I think because I've made that agreement with spirit early on that there has to be this type of boundary for me in my life where my working time is my working time and my Melissa being a mom and a partner and going about life that physical world time has to be there has to be a separation it's never turned off completely because obviously I'm still a sensitive empathic person I still pick up on psychically on things I can feel people's energy but I'm not walking around trying to have that happen and if for if for some reason there was like say unexpectedly I did I did sense a spirit with somebody I would just say to this I feel you and if you want to connect with this person or if they're meant to to connect through me, will you have them ask me? Will you have them find me, ask me, bring it up, something? And if the person does, then that's great. Okay, maybe maybe we'll set up a time or maybe I will just in that moment be like, I really feel this. Maybe, you know, if if they're they're asking. But it's on um that basis. It's it's not something that I feel obligated to do in that moment. And I think the spirit world is very aware of that. They they know that. There I don't I don't think there's ever this time where it's going to be so overwhelming that I just can't stop what's coming out of my mouth. Like the discipline is important to have. 
and also the boundaries in course I know you understand about the privacy of other people we're not looking to like be given out drive-by readings like that's just not that's just not ethically in my opinion what we're trying to do so I leave it to the spirit person and I believe 100% that when the time is right the situation is right if someone is meant to have a message from me or a reading from me they'll find a way the spirit person will find a way to make that happen and I trust I trust them totally within that. In that moment, if I was feeling kind of bad, like, oh, like their person is here, but like, I'm not giving the message, then I might just send a beautiful healing to the spirit person and send a beautiful healing to the, their loved one here in the physical world, um, a blessing to them, say a little prayer, do, what you, do whatever feels good to you. But I don't feel like there's any guilt or any worry around not doing that. It, it's not something that we're obligated to do. And I actually feel like it's good. It's good to have, it's good to have boundaries with people and within your mediumship, within your abilities. I think that if I was to be constantly open and constantly dealing with that mentally, I don't know how strong I'd be feeling. Life is busy enough. Life is demanding enough. I don't think we need to also feel like as we go out into the world, we're trying to communicate with spirit 24-7. I certainly try to bring blessings where I go. I try to use my intention and bring healing to people that I might feel that might need it. But I don't feel like I need to be doing my mediumship work everywhere I go. This just That's just my feeling, my opinion. So that's how I deal with it. But let me know. Let me know what you think about that, Minty. Otherwise... I think that's about all of the questions. Oh, no, there was one more. Hold on. Let's see. I did have a question here. Lindsay, energy sickness and how it can present. And can a spirit guide be a significant other from a past life? So energy sickness and how it can present. So from my experience, energy sickness can feel like the flu. It can feel like you are completely exhausted, fatigued, a bit depressed. It can feel almost like burnout at times. There's different ways. I mean, it'll manifest in in people differently. I notice with myself, my head, like my, I will get headaches and migraines often. And that headaches have always been there, like tension headaches I've had since I was probably 12 almost every day of my life. But the migraines really didn't start until I started really working with spirit or just before, like consciously on purpose, intending to work with spirit. So I think sometimes that they they may be connected. But it's it's difficult. Sometimes we don't know. Is this energetic? Is this physical? Or is it both? And in my experience, a lot of the time, it's a combination of the two. Of course, our physical bodies are so connected to our emotions and our energy. So the more sensitive you get and the more you become um, focused on working with energy, of course there's going to be a correlation. It makes sense to me. I think the important thing with energy sickness and working with energy is to recognize that we do have the power. We do have the power. If we have the power to work work with energy and do all of this stuff, we can also... Like we have the power to bring healing to ourselves, to access healing, to step more fully back into our power. And I think for me, when I get that 
energy sickness type feeling, it's usually because I've gone against my own boundaries somehow. I've betrayed myself in some way. I've done something that I probably didn't want to do or I felt, you know, probably thought better of it, but I went and did it anyway. And it usually comes down to, for me, wanting someone else to be, someone else to be satisfied, someone else to be pleased, someone else to have what they want. So that's something that I've really had to look at and work on over the years, not meeting everyone else's needs, but then neglecting my own. It's, it's not, it's not helpful and it's certainly not empowering. And so that's, that's something that is not, I don't want to, I don't like it when it's glamour or not glamorized, but almost like, uh, there's a bit of a martyrdom there where it's like, oh, that like healer that just doesn't think about any, think about herself, just thinks about everyone else. No, that is not what we're going for. It's <laughs> not helpful. That is counterproductive. So it's, for me, it shows up in that sense when I've somehow ignored my own intuition or I've pushed through, pushed past, been stubborn, have not listened to my body, have not listened to my own soul in some way, when I'm just being too stubborn in a human sense. So that's usually when I end up paying for it. And the body literally does keep the score. I can't remember the name of that author of that book, but mm -hmm, the body does keep the score. So different people might experience it differently. Sometimes there's sinus stuff that can be involved, stomach and digestive issues. I could say, yes, I've, I've experienced those. So it's, I think it's a little bit different for each person. Can a spirit guide be a significant other from a past life? Yes, 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 yes. I think that's totally possible. I think lots of times it's probable. I also think that we can actually have a past life version of ourselves guiding us in this life. And I, I I know that to be true because I actually have had that experience. This past life experience that I've had, she it's me, but it's in this past life. And she shows up. She's Other people have seen her working with me. Other people have seen her when I've do, done trance. People have picked up on her through readings as a guide of mine. And the whole connection is just uncanny. It's amazing. So that's definitely the case. But yes, people that have been significant in your journey can definitely also show up as guides in this lifetime. Makes perfect sense. So this other question is a little bit sensitive, but it says, impacts of capitalism on spiritual development groups in North America. And she says, I'm seeing people being more focused on getting likes and the commercial element of serving spirit than actually helping people grow and learn. I mean, we don't want to look at it through a lens of judgment because I think that only each individual knows what their intention is and what their focus is. I can only speak for myself. I think that, yeah, it, it may be that at times there's, there's a shift. Like it used to be, when we think back to the pioneers, they would meet in the home circle and it was like a dedicated time and day at the same time and everybody sat and it was very much in support of one another and this, this real clear want and desire to connect with the other world. But it gets tricky when we talk about this because I think that value and uh, financial, the financial value and uh, monetary value we put on things is subjective. Like it's, it means different things to different people. And I certainly, this is my, yes, my life's work, my vocation, but it is how I make my living. So obviously when I 
price things. I have to keep in mind that I have to pay taxes. I have to pay for all kinds of things. I don't get health insurance. I don't get a pension. I don't get sick days. Like I'm taking a major risk being my own self-employed, you know, entrepreneur boss. And so there's benefits that come with that, of course, but there's also the other side of it, which is I've supported, I've supported my family for years with this work. And so it's not cheap to go and travel to the UK to get education or to take mentorship. And that's something that I've done and you invested in yourself and in my mind, totally worth it. But when you're paying someone, you are paying for their experience. You're paying for the education that they've received. You're also paying for the time and the blood, sweat and tears that they've put into the craft. And it's hard to say like when we're looking at pricing and and all of that, but I think I know what you're saying, like that you, it's a feeling that you get. You know, it's the energy that you get and to each their own. I think maybe some people that is the that is the goal and that is the focus and other people not so much. Other people, yes, they're making their living, but the intention is there to bring the healing and to bring the light. But it's completely possible to be successful and to be thriving, abundant and also be serving and also be helpful. So I, I just think it's just very personal. But I I do see it's become more commercialized. And I find for myself, I just, I mean, a lot of the things, the way that we connect is through social media. So I understand it as a necessary tool. But sometimes it is overwhelming when everybody's promoting themselves and everybody's got something to say and everybody's got a take on this and that. And it seems sometimes like a lot to keep up with or a lot to just... Like it just feels like a lot. So I'm just mindful of like the amount of time I spend on social media. I try to stay in my own lane, just do what I do and just be proud of who I am and what I offer and know that my journey is different than the next person's. And I don't, I don't look down on another person's journey or like judge someone else for the way that they want to do it. It's, it's to each their own and it's such a personal thing. So I hope that, I hope that answers your question, Lindsay. I hope that makes sense. How do you find a mentor or is the path forever a lonely one? (laughs) No, it's not always a lonely one. It could feel that way. It can feel that way sometimes. I think you find a mentor by setting that intention that you're ready to learn. You're ready to grow and you have to go by what you feel. If you're intrigued by someone's energy, if you find that you're drawn to them, Definitely see what they have to offer. See what they're about. I think um, just asking, like asking, are you taking on, are you taking on mentorship students? But really put it out there to the universe. If you ask for a teacher, you will find the right teacher for you. And it's about sometimes finding where you fit, finding what feels right, the style of teaching, the right group energy, right group dynamic. Is it online? Is it in person? Just different strokes for different folks. It just really depends. I think you want to, in my opinion, a good teacher is willing to always look at their beliefs and evolve and change. A good teacher to me shows you the qualities in yourself that are already there and helps you to strengthen them. And I think support is huge. I think that there has to be some type of resonance on a soul level. You want to be able to have a teacher also who's willing to not tell you what to think, but really inspire you 
and teach you that actually the power is within you and that you do have all of the ability to go and find your own answers. And it's not like they want you to regurgitate what they're telling you is right and true. So that's that's my feeling on it. What I look for is just someone who inspires me, somebody who I can be like, ooh, I want to know what I want to know what they know. How do they do that? What do they think about this? Like there has to be that intrigue. And so and for me too, I always look for people that are not too rigid. Like for me, and I think this is really apparent in my style of teaching, I'm open and I'm always looking for different ways of working. And I recognize that not everybody is the same. And so you really can't teach everyone the same way. And I would always look for, in my teachers and my mentors, somebody who gets that, somebody who's willing to think outside of the box, somebody who's not rigid and just repeating the same old, same old that they've been repeating for years because someone else told them it was true. But like, what have they discovered for themselves? What have they learned? And are they willing to switch things up? Are they willing to continue to grow and evolve? So I hope that answers your questions, Lindsay and everyone else. I certainly appreciate everyone for listening and for interacting with the show. And just wish each of you so much love and many magical, mystical experiences. And if you want to join my newsletter, I'll I'll see if I can put the link in the show note. It's nice to keep in touch that way. I sometimes post some different meditations, different exercises, inspiration, and also just a little note about what's going on, upcoming events, that kind of thing. So if you have any other questions you want to ask for a further show, feel free to email me, melissawhitemedium at gmail.com. Or if you have a guest in mind, somebody that you'd love for me to interview, send me a note and I'll see what I can do. So take good care, everyone. And until next time.